0: Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as community, or to financially support Neighborhood, go to NeighborhoodChurchMN.org. Enjoy the message. All right, everybody. No more announcements, I promise. All right, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Carolyn. And Carolyn, yeah, give it up for Carolyn, all right? All right. Uh, Carolyn is the pastor at Pilgrim Pilgrim Lutheran in Superior, and she is going to be doing a blessing for us.
1: And I was, until last week, the pastor here at Westminster. (laughs) So when I saw Chris this morning, I said, we did it. We did it, yeah. And I'm thrilled. We would like for your leaders, would all those who are, or are close enough <laughs> um, come to the front, we are going to do a laying on of hands, and we would like all of your leaders, um, church leaders, people who preach, just, gonna, just, I, yeah. just you two, okay, because otherwise they'd all be coming up here, right? <laughs> okay, all right. Good morning. Okay, so, um, Myrna, Paul, anyone else who's Deb, Milt, anyone else who's here who's a deacon? In the Presbyterian Church, once you're ordained as a deacon, you or an elder, you are... Um, for life, one of the spiritual caregivers and caretakers for the flock. And so these people are people that at some point in their lives have been deemed as the leaders for spiritual care, physical care, emotional care of the congregation. So here's what I would like to do. Let's have um, Westies, let's have you stand up here. (laughs) And Nikki and Chris. We're trying to get close enough that we can lay hands on. Yeah, so just pull in. Please pray with us. Heavenly and eternal God, we are giving you thanks for this day of We pray your Holy Spirit to come near. We ask that you bless these leaders and all leaders of neighborhood church with a double portion of your spirit, that they may serve gladly and faithfully, that when they preach the word, it would plant seeds, and when they care for this flock, that you would be pleased and that faith, trust, and maturity of faith grows. With all of the blessings that this place has given to Westminster, we now endow our faith and hope behind you as a new church and a new place for you with heartfelt blessings and the hope that God will always walk with you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, friends. Can we give a round of applause, please, for Westminster? That's beautiful. It, it, has, been a, um, it has been a process that has been um, and beautiful and testing, and all those are good, and all those belong. And it is an honor for us to be um, carrying this legacy of Westminster and even the churches that have been in this building before and we do not take it lightly so thank you for your generosity thank you for your blessing or karen's thank you for your blessing and we're really excited about making this place our own and i'm giving the message i gave eight years ago the same passage uh, when we first started neighborhood church at least that's what i remember so that's what i'm going to say is true so
1: and it's out of uh rest of the gospel but he tells the story of Jesus um, he's
0: walking I don't know why but he's walking and he's around this pool that they believe that there was the local legend was there would be an angel there and if the angel like showed up and said I want a party and the water started moving around whoever gotten there first would get um, what they wanted or might make it healed and as Jesus is walking by there's a guy laying by the pool and um, he can't he's got mobility issues he can't move on his own And Jesus asks him the most odd question, right? It's the only time Jesus asks this question. He walks up to him, he goes, "Uh, what up, my man? This is my version, just so you know. "Uh, What up, my man? Uh, Do you want to get well? I imagine the guy laying there and goes, yeah, that's like in my top five right now, (laughs) top five. I want to get into improv. I want to get into cryptocurrency, and I want to get well. Um, And the guy's response to Jesus is, oh, yeah, but I can't because when the water starts stirring around, None of you are helping me get into the water. So what am I supposed to do? And Jesus responds. It's this odd, he simply, says, uh, well, like get up, walk home with your mat. And the guy would probably say, "Never even thought about that one." So he gets up, takes his mat, and he starts walking home. And Jesus slips off. This guy has no idea who Jesus is. And as he's walking, I imagine. Um, I wish my sister is here because you guys remember Fresh Pints Bel Air. Anyone who's a Gen X, you would know this. Thank you for raising your hand. I appreciate that. Yes, that's me. I identify. So um, remember Carlton? Carlton had his own dance where he'd do this, right? I I can't do it justice. All right. But I imagine that's how he was walking home, all right? He's got his mat, he's like, Look at me, I'm walking. And he gets the attention of some religious leaders and they have all these um, laws, and the laws are there not to be like cold and stifle people. It's usually how we interpret them. Like, why would they have these laws? They had these laws in place so they could thrive, right? Like, you're now supposed to work on the Sabbath because they really believe that you should rest. Rest is something that a lot of other cultures value, usually not us. So, um, that's what it's there for. So they walk in like, "Hey, my man, you, you can't, you can't do this. You're not supposed to do it." And the guy says, "Don't blame me." This guy told me to get up and take my mat, blame him, right? They're like, well, who is this guy? And he goes, I have no clue. He just told me to get up and walk. And then Jesus, like, comes up a little bit later, slips in, has a very cryptic conversation with this guy, but essentially introduces himself. And then it's, what he does is what you're supposed to do, right? You go tattletale. He goes back to the religious authorities. He goes, remember that guy who made me do that thing? His name's Jesus, And these people who hear it, they're like, well, we got to do something about this. So they go and they confront Jesus, and it's John 5, 16. This is the verse. When I heard this, I think I was 25, and it um, radically transformed how I thought about God, how I thought about the Bible. The Bible became, like, alive to me in this, and it's this line. And what Jesus says is, my mother is always working. She is always, always working. There's never a time that she is not working. And she loves to show me, Jesus saying, she loves to show me what she's doing. So I am working. And in fact, Jesus goes a couple of verses later, um, she loves to show us what she's doing, and she's going to show you, right? And you're going to do even greater things than me. And the, the, the so essentially Jesus is saying, don't get angry at me, get angry at her, get angry at God. And the reason that this, was um so um impactful on me is that god felt like <laughs> especially if i was part of a very um what i have to use a polite term for this i was a part of a very hyper pentecostal church in my formative years where we'd get up and run around and yell at the devil right anyone else am i all alone thank you all right uh dietrich i know you're in that group as well so uh and, you know, you'd, be like, you'd get, like, people would, like, pray for you, and then they'd try, like, pushing you down, like, just all kinds of stuff. Um, and so God felt like if you could get God's attention, God might notice you, right? And if you did anything wrong, oh, God is somewhere else, all right? Um, and so here, hearing this, it was a message, and hearing the first time, it felt like God is not just close, but God is actively engaged, and not just with me, but in the lives of all these people. So the work that God was doing at this time, a couple Christ's Christians ago, um, felt like God's work is to save souls, right? And I'm not bashing that. I'm not going to mock that. But what was handed to me was, um, we are depraved humans, right? We're broken. We are thirsty. We are hungry. We are tired. We're, like, we're, we're, we're these bad depraved people and what we need right is God to save us from ourselves, right? And the way you do that is what I was taught is we do things like serve in evangelism. Is that a trigger word for anyone? Okay, okay, good. So um and and again, these were meaningful things, but we do outreach. We we had a bunch of different names. And the whole point would be like I would show up to Sarah's house and like offer her Batteries. We did that once, right? We would give coffee away for free. And people stood in lines on uh, Black Friday, um, and we'd say it's a practical example of God's love, no strings attached. I think that's beautiful, but the end goal was really to get them saved, right? The end goal was to get Carrie to a place where she would say this mat. She would say this specific prayer, and if she said it, and she meant it, and she really believed it, then the theological term is there would be this regeneration, and Paul, what Paul says, we're a new creation, right? And then you'd be sanctified, then you'd be holy, then you'd be good, then you'd be included, and then you'd have the opportunity to have eternal life. And this is how I spent a lot of my years as a pastor doing it. And I have I have amazing memories and some absolute um, lives that were transformed through this work. So I'm not, I'm not knocking it. There's just one problem. Nowhere does Jesus do this. Right? It's kind of a problem. When Jesus, she's always, God's always at working, and iTunes working, and God loves to show us what she's doing. What, what kind of work is it? Well, that work is, yeah, that scared me too. It's a dog. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what am I talking about? God's work. So, Jesus, when he speaks to this man, he doesn't say, um, hey, can you say this prayer? He doesn't even tell the man his name. There's not like this brand management that Jesus is doing. There's no end goal to get him to some place and some time in the future to be something somewhere. All Jesus does is heals the man. But why? I love this question. Why would Jesus, of all the things he could have done, why, why does he heal? Who is it for? Is it for the person? Yeah. And this, this is across the board. You read through the Gospels, anytime there's a miracle, who's the miracle for? Is it for the person the individual? You yeah, believe that. But who I even more for? Not some trick, not like God, like that. When Jesus heals someone, it's like he's a mirror going around to people. Why is it you now see this person? Why is it now you know this person's name? Why is it now that he can look, he looks like you; he can walk like you; he may be like worship like you, dresses like you, right? Might be economical, part of the economic system like you. Why is it before he was just a nameless, faceless person who just lay by the pool, but now that he's acting like you? Funny, you now see value. Now he's included. Now he's believed. Now he has value. Now he's good. The problem is you couldn't see that he's always those things. You never noticed it. It wasn't until these people looked and behaved and moved like the rest of dominant society that they were included. And what Jesus is revealing, the kind of work I think Jesus is doing, he's pointing saying they've always been included. You just didn't see it. To me, this is the sacred work of reminding people that they're good, reminding people, helping people awaken to the reality that they have always been beautiful, they've always been included, they've always been valued. We just don't always believe it and we often don't always see it. So this sacred work that we get to do, and this is why I gave the message eight years ago, and this is why I'm giving this message now, this is what we get to do as a community we get to be that great reminder of adding value and l- helping people become their fullest self. But here's the interesting, thing. when I was thinking about this, when we say we're gonna do this work, we always project it on people that's not us. And that is a very good thing at times, right? But we can, um, we can like, give of ourselves, almost to distract from ourselves. But whatever we want to be in this world, whatever change we want to see happen in our communities, in our neighborhoods, we have to be willing to be it ourselves. And this is where we are really bad at, right? Doing self-care, doing self-work. Like, I just went and saw my doctor, and he's like, wow, it's been two and a half years since I've seen you. I'm like, two and a half years? I remember the last time I saw him, he's like, it's been five years. I'm like, five years? What am I doing? But because it's, when I have to think about me, I usually put myself way down. I usually put myself on the a bottom tier. Why? Because... It's easy to buy in the narrative that I don't have much value unless I'm producing something, right? So where we start is what is the work that God is doing in you? When do you take time to, like, think through those dreams that you've had that you put on the back shelf because other people's dreams have always been more important, right? What are the things that bring you value in life and beauty and belonging and inspiration that's just for you? Yeah, this, is my, this is my favorite one. What do you... And I bring it up all the time. When you look at yourself in the mirror, does good and beautiful ever come out of your mouth? Like, I knew I I, I knew I was going to say that this morning, so I woke up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, you're good and beautiful. <laughs> right? And it's funny, but it felt... It felt oh, I shouldn't swear. It felt really, really good. Right? It did. I started tearing up. Because... I don't believe it at times. It's easy to not believe it. It's easy to believe I'm, I'm something else. Like, how, could, how transformative could that be if we really believed it about ourselves? It's not I'm good and beautiful when or if or when I lose this or I gain this or I gain this, right? It's like, what, what if I could actually believe that I am loved and beautiful and included and valuable now? And I can still grow and I can still evolve, and I can still transcend and include, but it doesn't mean I'm better. It just means it's who I am. Second one, the kind of work we get to do is the sacred work of reminding people that they've always belonged. And the, the way I like to put it is like, I, I want to help inspire people that heaven is within, heaven is here. In uh, Luke chapter 2, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is at hand, right? Heaven is within reach. It's so close, it could slap you upside the head, right? That heaven is everywhere we go if we're willing to see it, if we're willing to hear it. So, because um, we can do this stuff like Juneteenth and volunteer. We can uh, celebrate big events, and we can, you know, start a moving company to help move people for free and start a community garden. Those are all really, really good. But the times where I feel like I've experienced heaven the most is when people remember my name, right? It's when people notice me. They say, hey, I really like, the thing I get all the time, I don't understand, is people say, oh, do you work at Duluth Coffee Company? I'm like, I'm like it's just, it's, it's a hat, right? Like, do you work at Nike? I, I, I don't know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess I'm kind of, but it does feel good, right? When people say, I like your sunglasses, where do you get those? Like, Those little things make me feel not just alive, it makes me feel good. When my kids still want to sit next to me on the couch while I watch TV. When my dog jumps in my lap, when a friend that texts me and follows up from something I shared I was how stressed I was, right? It's those, we like to think we have to do these big grandiose things, but the truth is when we can remind people that heaven is within, like sacred and holiness is not something to be achieved, it's something to be awakened to, something to be experienced, that's where we can find transformation. And this is what I love about the work that Jesus does. It's the work that all of us can do every single day. So I am very excited to be in this new space. I'm excited about doing this sacred work with all of you. And thank you for being here. I'm going to pray. I'd love to have you join me. So God, we love you. And I thank you for um, not just this new space, but for all the people who are here, people who are listening to podcasts, people who are watching online. I thank you that what you see is good and beautiful. And not just when we produce, not just when we quote-unquote win, but right here in this body, in this breath, in this space, we are loved and we are valuable, we're believed, and we're good. So I ask first that you would help us be able to believe that and receive that and awaken to that. And I ask also, God, that as we move Uh, throughout our day and this week, that we can remind each other inspire each other the same thing, that they've always been. They've always been good. And that even for a moment, that we can experience heaven. So we love you. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to the very first Duluth service of Neighborhood Church. Enjoy the rest of your week.